Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. You can also find me on my other podcast, Straight Up Paleo. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at christinaricewellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join the Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. Hey guys, what's going on? I hope you're having a great day. I'm feeling quite fabulous because I've gotten really good sleep the past few nights. When I was away, I was gone for two and a half weeks in the Bay Area and I ran out of my beloved Somnifix. If you guys follow me, you know how obsessed I am with Somnifix and they are a proud sponsor of this podcast. If you guys haven't already tried out Somnifix, you need to. It's mouth taping, which I know sounds weird at first, but I mean, let's think about all the things I really like. I'm known for being a little weird. It's all good. But this has transformed my sleep and I cannot live without it. And that's why when I ran out when I was on vacation, it was a disaster. And now that I have been restocked, I'm loving life again and getting a nice full night's sleep and not waking up in the middle of the night. Everyone who tries this tells me that they are shocked at how much it changes their life. So I highly, highly recommend you give it a shot. Don't knock it till you try it. But basically mouth taping is what it sounds like. Tape goes over your mouth. And this is specially designed to tape. The Somnifix is great because it's hypoallergenic. It doesn't hurt when you put it on or take it off. It doesn't rip off your skin or anything. And also has this little breathable vent in the front. So I tell people, you know, when you're just, if you're nervous, if you're just getting acclimated, you can, you know, part your lips a little bit when you put the tape on so you can still breathe and you, you practice getting there. But the benefit of this is that it puts you in this parasympathetic state because when we're asleep, our mouths should really stay closed, but many of us open up our mouths while we are sleeping. And I have a whole blog post on the benefits of mouth taping and why I love Somnifix so much. So you should definitely check that out on my blog, ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Go to blog, search Somnifix. You will find it. It's very in-depth and helpful. But in a nutshell, when you breathe through your mouth, this can lead to dry mouth, a sore throat, nasal congestion. It can cause snoring. It can worsen your immunity, lower your blood oxygen saturation. It can affect your overall health, your fitness levels, and obviously your sleep because we are designed to breathe through our noses. And this also relates back to our cortisol levels and getting in that rest and digest state, that parasympathetic mode, breathing through our noses allows us to stay in that parasympathetic state so that we can get a good night's rest. A lot of people find they wake up in the middle of the night because their bodies go into that sympathetic mode. Their cortisol spikes for, I mean, we don't know exactly why, but for many people, they might just be waking up because they're breathing through their mouths and that's putting them in a sympathetic state and they wake up 
not a good night's sleep. So the fix is to use Somnifix mouth strips. They are amazing. Highly recommend. You can go to somnifix.com to check them out and to get a box or you can get it on Amazon and you can use the code CRWSLEEP for 15% off. So again, that is CRWSLEEP. That will give you 15% off of your first box. So CRWSLEEP. That stands for Christina Rice Wellness Sleep. And you can get that on Amazon or go to somnifix.com and check it out there. They have lots of other information as well. Mouth taping is sweeping the nation. And if you try it, I highly recommend you take a selfie, tag me so I can see, tag Somnifix, and let's spread the word. This has literally changed the game for so many people. It also stops you from drooling. And I know you want to stop drooling. That's very important. So I'm really happy to have my sleep back in check. That's important. It's very important for overall health. I don't really have any big updates for you. I'm just getting ready for the retreat in a few weeks. That's fun. Wellness, realness retreat. If you're not already in the Facebook group, I would love it if you popped in there. Wellness, realness podcast tribe. Meet other like-minded individuals. And if you have a question that you would like me to answer on the podcast for my next Q&A episode, any listener questions, please send it in to podcast at christinaricewellness.com so I have them all in one nice little pretty place and can sort through them there because I want to start doing more straight up paleo style episodes for you guys since that podcast sadly is no longer getting new episodes so we're gonna switch it up on here and I in order to do that I would like questions from you so that's good and in general like if there's something you want me to write a blog post about or focus on please give me a suggestion so I know what you want to hear more of. Or if there's someone who you want me to have on the podcast, let me know and I can see if I can get them on. But that being said, that's what, that's what I would like from you. So please and thank you. Thank you. And now let's talk about today's guest. I'm so excited about today's guest, Leanne Vogel. Leanne is someone who I don't really know if she knows how much she had a huge impact on my life. Leanne is the founder of Healthful Pursuit. You can find her blog, lots of recipes, videos, podcasts on her website, healthfulpursuit.com. Also search for her YouTube channel, Healthful Pursuit. She is the author of over 11 health programs, the host of the Keto Diet Podcast, the author of the international best-selling paperback, The Keto Diet, an incredible book. I love it. And the creator of Fat-Fueled Living, as we call it. So she takes a holistic, paleo-friendly approach to a ketogenic, high-fat diet. And she is such a wonderful human. She's not only a great nutritionist and a wealth of knowledge, but she's just an amazing human and I love her like she is one of the most genuine people you'll ever come across the best intentions the kindest soul you can't help but talk to her and just be like you are the nicest person ever so I can't tell you how much I truly adore her and I I have a lot of the same sort of philosophies as her and she really influenced me when I was First, you know, earlier in my health journey when I was struggling a lot with my gut issues and finding that a higher fat, lower carb diet was 
what was working best for me yet I had all these people around me telling me that that was bad and I couldn't do that because I had a history of an eating disorder and telling me that eating a whole foods based paleo style diet was bad for me and was going to ruin my mental health and it was really hard for me because I felt like I knew what my body and brain needed and wanted which was this whole foods approach this high fat low carb approach and that was what I needed to heal but everybody around me was telling me that I couldn't do that and that was wrong and they didn't really believe in that and that was really hard for me and it wasn't until I found Leanne who was at the time one of the only people who was talking about keto from a female perspective and also had this perspective of someone who has overcome an eating disorder and is all about body love and body positivity and just self-love in general and she was one of the only people on the internet really talking about this and it was like she was talking about exactly what I was looking for because I knew that I believed in this paleo approach, this whole foods diet, high fat, low carb approach. And then I found her and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not crazy. She is a very intelligent nutritionist. She has overcome these health issues and I'm not crazy for thinking this can help me heal too. And and she made me feel safe in what I knew my body needed. And I really needed to find her work at that time and she like saved me in that sense and you know I loved reading everything she wrote and watching her videos and listening to her podcast. She hosted another podcast at the time and that was really helpful and she's just there's something about her that's so soothing and calming (laughs) honestly. So she helped me a lot and her work I know has influenced so many people and you know she has not the typical approach to keto which I love and she offers very flexible options for different people when it comes to a ketogenic diet and ketogenic lifestyle she's not rigid with it she doesn't have rules I mean I just can't tell you how much I love her and her philosophy around food and nutrition and lifestyle and I think that she has just done so much good and helped so many people heal that I mean I can't say thank you to her enough so I was just so happy to have her on the podcast I got to I've gotten to know her just being in the space and we've had her on straight up paleo before that podcast she was a great guest on there and one of our first maybe she was was she our first I think she was maybe our second she was one of the first guests on straight up paleo and I really wanted to have her on wellness realness because I really wanted to touch on sort of the eating disorder side of things and amenorrhea and all of that because I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast struggle with amenorrhea but even if you don't struggle with disordered eating or amenorrhea there's still a lot in this podcast that you'll you will get a lot out of this podcast and she has such an incredible outlook on life and it's really about just putting things into perspective of what matters and body love, loving yourself, and realizing what's important and what's not. So I love her perspective. I'm so grateful that she was able to come on the podcast and answer all my questions. And it's actually really funny because we recorded this a while back and it was before I tried the carnivore diet and I asked her in this podcast what she thinks of it because when we recorded this, I was, you know, seeing it happen and wondering if I wanted to try it or what I thought. So just so you have this in context, we recorded this before I even tried carnivore 
And it's really interesting. And since then, I know she probably has more thoughts, too. I know she had recently has had a few more people on her podcast who have tried the carnivore diet. So just so you have some more context there. But without further ado, here is the lovely, wonderful Leanne Vogel. Hey, Leanne, how are you? I'm so good, Christina. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. This is our second time recording, and we were just saying how it's been eight months. That's crazy because you were on Straight Up Paleo eight months ago. I just, I feel like it was like five months. Let's just agree it was five months. <laughs> yeah, let's just say it was five months because okay. that is far, far too long. But so, I, know. I mean, I am obviously very familiar with your work, but for people who maybe aren't so familiar with you, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. So my name is Leanne and I am Canadian. And I only <laughs> say that now because I'm in the States currently and it's just, it's so different. And I just, I love um, prefacing like, uh, <laughs> it's so cool to like experience a new country. And a lot of people think like Canada, US, so similar. It's so not. And I've had such a great time um, traveling through the States and learning more about the different cultures. And it's just so different. So um, I am a traveler first and a keto enthusiast second. <laughs> and that was very different a couple of years ago. Um, and I think we're going to chat a lot of more about this, about how like diet and food completely ruled my life for so long. And it wasn't until I really took an honest look at myself and my body and my wants and my needs and my goals and what I wanted out of life and how I wanted to design my life that I realized that although food is important and the quality of food makes me feel a certain way being able to feel good and then live out the life that I want like the life of my dreams um, is more important to me and so food and how I treat my body really allows me to live my life and so back in August of 2017 my husband and I had this crazy idea of selling everything we owned our two cars our two I had a condo and the house and all of our possessions like down to our like forks and knives I'm not even <laughs> kidding I sold our pots and pans and everything and we moved into an RV full-time and we've just been traveling around and meeting people and being in the forest and my keto diet has allowed me to do a lot of these things so that's kind of who I am also I wrote a book it's called the keto <laughs> diet um I for, I always forget about that it's sort of like oh right and the book it's kind of a big deal and um I have a podcast called the keto diet podcast I know super original and then my blog is healthfulpursuit.com I love all of that and it's not just any book. It is an amazing book. And I highly oh. recommend everybody pick it up because I was telling her before I love it because it has pretty much all the health information you could ever need in one place in a digestible form and a ton of recipes that you'll actually make because there are so many books I get that have, you know, they have nice recipes, but I wouldn't actually make them. Um, so I very much appreciate how useful it is for real life. So thank you for that. But I want to talk for a second about your RV exploring. And where are you right now? I am in Lima, Ohio. Okay. How, <laughs> how is that? totally random. It's great. Yeah. Um, I'm a West Coast girl. And I didn't know this until 
recently. Um, I lived on both the West Coast and the East Coast of Canada, and I preferred the West Coast. And I thought that that was just a Canadian thing. But in the States, too, I'm just like, I really want to go back to like Oregon, California, even Wyoming, like just (laughs) more West. Um, Nothing against East. I think you just like gravitate toward a different place and energy is different. Um, Right now we're parked at a state park, which is a rarity. So that's been really great. The hiking is great. We're right by a lake. I've been doing a lot of canoeing. It's awesome. That's amazing. How often do you guys change locations? (laughs) It depends what's broken in the RV. Um, (laughs) No, (laughs) it's really interesting. Um, When we had our first RV, everything was always broken because the quality just wasn't really well. Um, But when you buy a used RV, like with our second one, um, that we ended up moving into, you don't really know how people take care of it before you. So we've been finding a lot of things where it's like, seriously, why didn't you take care of this when you had it? So we're still finding issues, which means when there are issues, we're having to drive to like fix them. And we end up going to places we never, like this was not part of the plan to go to Ohio, but our windshield broke. And so we're like, okay, well let's find a windshield place. And we drove like seven hours to find one. So it's kind of just like going with the flow. And I'm a type A that really needs to know where am I going to be next month on this day at 9 a.m. So this has been a, a huge adjustment for me, um, but has really taught me to just go with the flow. And a huge lesson is like it always works out. Like mm-hmm. it might be super challenging, but it'll always work out. And so oftentimes, like I really love staying in places for like 14 days. So we get a good feel of what's around and we get to meet friends and go out for dinner and go for lots of walks and canoe rides. If, if the water doesn't have alligators in it, that's a story for another time. Um, but I like to stay in a place for like 14 days, but right now it's been like every five days we've been going somewhere else. So I'm really looking forward to a summer of like being in one place maybe and I always say that and then it changes so who knows it's definitely a very adventurous lifestyle I'm the same I'm very type a and I need to know where I am and but I can see how that would be such a good lesson it's good to like push ourselves out of our comfort zones I think ah like so out of my comfort zone (laughs) yeah it helps you grow I also love I have loved watching the evolution of the background of your YouTube videos change just have to put that out there (laughs) yeah Yeah, I really like it is so much easier to record in a like a like we made that office specifically Mm -hmm. for recording YouTube videos. And then you're like in an RV and it's only 200 square feet of space and you have three dogs and a husband and it just it gets to be crazy. (laughs) I bet but it looks it looks really nice in there. I was admiring it in your last YouTube video. I was like, it looks so nice inside. So I mean, thank you. I painted those cabinets. (laughs) You did an excellent job. You did an excellent job. The other thing I want to ask, I want you to talk about for a second, what differences you notice between Canada and U.S.? Oh, my gosh. Okay. So you guys have like barely any animals and and (laughs) you can't fight me on that. But like when we're in the middle of nowhere there just isn't a lot of animals compared to in Canada. Like you can get lost for days in the wilderness. And I feel like in the States, we're always very close to at least someplace. So we don't see the same wildlife. Mm. Um, I love many of the words you use. Like yesterday um, in Ohio, a lady referred to like a shopping bag as a sack. 
That's really <laughs> awesome. I think that's an Ohio <laughs> thing. I don't think anyone out here Maybe. would say that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. It's really cool to hear different words depending on where we are. Um, and I've really loved chatting um, with people about Canada and um, just the differences between, you know, like a lot of people, especially in the South, don't really know where Alberta, Canada is or even like Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So it's been really fun to be like, yeah, it's above Montana and this is what we do. And this is how, you know, we're very similar to Texas and because it's it's like sort of similar. Um, so that's been really cool. And and just I mean, you guys have each state has something so different to it. Um, as soon as you cross a state line, it's almost immediate that the landscape changes. And in Canada, we almost have like four looks. And that's like <laughs> our country. And it, it, there, it's so vast and ginormous, but there's only four different types. Whereas I find in the US, there's just so many different landscapes. Um, food quality here, I find isn't as great as Canada. Uh, it's been, it, it's interesting because when I was in Canada, I always used to think like, oh man, they have all like the awesome products and they have like Thrive Market and all these like cool bagged products. But when I went down to the US, we bought a lot of those products and I was eating out of bags and ordering food online. I'm like, wait a minute, like I can't live this life. And it's really expensive. Um, mm -hmm. In Canada, it's harder to find special things. So I find it's like easier to eat high quality food and also the grass fed meat in the US no offense, but it's like not awesome compared to Canada. <laughs> I believe like that. Like. No, no offense taken. You know, I have, <laughs> a f I have a few friends who are, live in Canada and they always say that about the products. They say, oh, you're so lucky of all those products. Mm -hmm. And I always tell them, no, I mean, yeah, I guess it's fun. But see, I think that those are kind of detrimental because you can get carried yes. away with them. And then it turns into, it gets away from what I believe is the best approach is focusing on the whole foods. And it's nice yes. that we have these supplemental packaged products to help us along the way, but that shouldn't be what we're relying on in my eyes. Yeah, but every Canadian that comes here is like, give me all the Epic bars. And I'm just going to eat this for 30 days. And so, yeah, I think you definitely go through that process. But, you know, the grass is always greener. You always want what you can't have. And yeah. I think as soon as I got down here, I was like, all oh, the things. Um, yeah. Those are just some of the things that stick out. I, It's just, and even just, you know, when you can't pinpoint something, it's just like the energy of something is just different. And it yeah. could be because Canada is home, you know, and the U.S. is just different for me. Uh, and also the fast food restaurant. Like, there's just a lot of fast food everywhere. Yeah, we are very americanized it's very it's so interesting for me to hear your perspective i really appreciate that thank you yeah yeah it's great <laughs> i am going to canada for the first time in uh october so i'm curious to see what i think of that because i've always wanted Where to are go you to going canada. i'm going to visit meg meg doll oh cool oh, that'll be saskatoon a... is that how you say it <laughs> Saskatoon yeah. um Saskatchewan yeah oh, that. <laughs> that's, that's one of the that's one of the looks it's called the prairies you okay. can see your dog running away for like 50 miles okay they just keep running and it's flat and you can just see them go so it's that'll cool. be new for me that's different than LA that's for sure yes very different <laughs> <laughs> okay well 
I want to start talking more about the nutrition things and the, you know, the health, the health things, the healthful pursuit things. Yeah. So can you share a bit about your own health journey and like what brought you into this space? How did you find keto? And I know it's kind of a big question, but I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Okay. So I had amenorrhea when I was studying nutrition because I went off birth control and I'm pretty sure had I gone off birth control earlier, I would have realized I had amenorrhea earlier. Um, so I went off birth control. That was 2007. Uh, and my period didn't come back. And I went to a couple doctors. They said, no big deal. It'll come back. And then the last doctor was like, well, do you want to get pregnant? I'm like, uh, no, I don't want babies. And she's like, then don't worry about it. And so yeah, for yeah. over seven years, I just didn't worry about it. <laughs> and I was training for a pretty intense marathon. I had been training for almost eight months for this specific event. And I was working with a trainer, like really trying to hone in on what was going on in my body and how to make it the best it could be. And we changed up my training program. And she's like, what is going on? You are not building muscle the way I thought you would. And your endurance sucks. When was your last period? And I'm like counting on my fingers. I'm sure she thought days. And I said, but like six and a half, seven years. I'm not, I'm not sure. And she's like, Leanne, what the heck are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. It's great. I can wear bathing suits whenever I can wear white pants. Like what's the big deal? Um, and I was nutritionally trained and we just didn't learn much about how the period is so important Mm -hmm. to your health. And I, in fact, met a doctor the other day that said, Oh, that's so great. You didn't have a period for seven years. How awesome is that? And I'm like, no, oh my man, gosh. it's like, no, really not. This is the sign of your health. It's such a great biomarker. Like women always ask me like, what blood test should I be doing? And how should I adjust my food? And how do I know, you know, if I'm healthy or not? It's like, look at your period. If, <laughs> if you're menstruating, and it's like easy breezy, and it's lasting like five days, and the flow is like, right on point and it's not horrible, you're probably in a good place. But if you're not getting your period or it's super, super heavy or painful, there's something that needs to be adjusted. And so back then I didn't think that way. I went to a naturopath. She said, have you heard of low carb, low low carb diet? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm an athlete. I can't eat low carb. (laughs) And so I ran the race. I failed miserably and I ended up finding keto like right in that point of just, I am so frustrated because I am doing everything right. And I was so angry because I'd been training for so long. Uh, I mean, I was running, I I was training about four hours a day. Um, I would take time off work to do long distance runs and trainings. And I was just so angry because I thought I was doing everything right. I thought I was eating everything right. And I just said, you know what? I'm just going to try this keto thing. I'm going to do it for 30 days. I'm going to see what happens. And at the end of the 30 days, I had lost a bunch of weight um, due to hormone weight gain because I was on um, HRT, hormone replacement therapy, to try to get my period back, which didn't work. So I lost weight. I was off my ADD medication. My brain was on fire. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going back. (laughs) And so that was kind of the, you know, introduction to keto. And then you know, if you lose weight really fast on anything and you have a history of an eating disorder, even though that wasn't my intention, it became very quickly about like, well, like how much weight can I lose? And I totally lost myself (laughs) with keto and I tried pushing to lose weight. I was blogging about it. I was obsessed about keto 
And I kind of came to this place of having not slept in, I think it was like eight days. I hadn't had a wink of sleep. I was jittery. I, 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 I was a total mess. I was so anxious and depressed and in my head about keto. And I just thought like, what am I going to do? I don't know. I feel like mentally better and I'm off my ADD meds and I lost my hormone weight gain, but my period isn't coming back and I've totally lost myself. And that's when fat fueled living was created and what I practice today, how I got my period back and how I'm finally able to like have the confidence and not, it's, it's just changed my life in so many ways to just merge whole food eating with ketogenic uh, diet with a sprinkle of body positivity in there. Yeah. And it's just this perfect recipe. Wow. Okay. There's a lot to dive in there. And I want to dissect it piece by piece, but I also want to step back for a second because I want to give people like the full picture. So can you explain more about your history with the eating disorder? Yeah, you bet. So um, it's, it's really fun because a couple of years ago, I really wasn't open to talking about this. And since going keto and just overcoming an eating disorder as well it's just been really cool so I love being able to just answer this question with excitement okay. it's just I'm always like pinching myself um so I was a dancer growing up and I was very tall and so I always kind of stuck out which meant that I was always trying to make myself look smaller and my, my dance teachers were very much in support of that and so it started off by like I'd have when I was about seven years old, I would go days just drinking juice because I, you know, if, I don't know where I got the idea, probably because you eat less or I don't know what the thought process was. <laughs> the internet wasn't really a thing when I was seven. Um, but I would go days with just drinking juice boxes or I would fast all day or I would go on these you know, little things where I would only eat one certain food for a couple of weeks. Like I would just live off of cereal. And I would give myself two bowls of cereal a day and that's what I would eat. And um, that became uh, more of just restricting to the point where I'd give, you know, it, it happened quite quickly. I'd give myself five mints to eat in a day. Wow. And then the five mints turned to four, which turned to three, which turned to two, which turned to one. And then I would go long, long periods of time without eating. And when I was um, 16, I was admitted to the hospital because I was below, I think it was 90 pounds at that time. Um, and I don't really remember that mm -hmm. part of my life because I really, I, I, I feel like Leanne was so lost at that point. And I don't know if it was any, you know, I try to think back of like, what was it that really did it for me. And I don't think, I think we can spend a lot of time trying to figure out what happened <laughs> instead of figuring out like, what can I do in this moment? And that kind of sparked, you know, I didn't want to be in treatment. I didn't really care. And my parents kind of said, okay, well, if you're not willing to care, then you got to leave. And at the time I was so angry at my parents for being like, either you do this treatment or get out of the house. But I am so thankful that they gave me tough love because that push was exactly what I needed to be like, wait a minute, you can't live in this world sick like this. Like, I had to hold a full time job, put myself through high school and figure out how to pay rent and stuff like just adult stuff. And um, I slowly merged into bulimia with a mixture of anorexia, trying to get help on my own. And 
when I was around 25, uh, when I met my now husband, I was honest with him the first day I met him. I have bulimia. I have anorexia. This is just the person I am and you're not going to change me. And he was so accepting of it. And at that point, I was like, this is Leanne. I'm always going to have this. It works for me. Uh, and once I started seeing a different part of life and he was so um, supportive and asked me questions and just wanted to talk about it, it kind of gave me that spark of like, wait, maybe, I, maybe I'm not just an eating disorder. And um, it continued with bulimia for quite some time, even in the first year or so of keto. And then I worked really, really hard on more body positivity stuff. And just accepting my body and figuring out what I wanted in my life, like des designing my life and what made me feel good. And now I definitely have my days where I struggle, you know, like if I eat way, way too much or I'm around a bunch of people that are talking about um, restriction like a lot um, or if I feel threatened by other women specifically, like women that look like they have all their stuff together. Sometimes I can be like, Oh my gosh, I have none of my stuff together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a total mess. And then I revert back to old thoughts. But um, I think it's like a muscle, the more you just okay, refocus, why am I doing this? It just becomes a lot easier um, to live life knowing that you, you know, you had an eating disorder, but that eating disorder doesn't define you as a human being whatsoever. Absolutely. And I just want to thank you for sharing all that with me. I don't think I've ever heard your full story like that in one place before. So yeah, I'm, I don't know if I've ever sh shared it all in one place before. So there you go. <laughs> well, I am honored that you shared that on this podcast. So thank you for sharing that. And I think a lot of people can relate to I mean, that is crazy. I didn't realize that you had to like put yourself through high school. That is a lot to carry. Yeah, I finished a little bit late because you know, I mean, at it, least it you finished. Really yeah. Yes, I finished. And then I took put myself through nutrition school too. And I think, yeah, tough I, love was a good thing. I have a whole new level of respect for you. So that's oh, incredible. Thanks. But I want to touch on this whole idea of like, I mean, eventually, you know, this way of life, this ketogenic way of life helped forge this path of like freedom for you eventually, I feel like. And there are people who see something like keto or paleo or something and they say, well, that's a restrictive way of eating and that's just another manifestation of an eating disorder. Yes. And I would love for you to sort of <laughs> tell me your thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, I've been um, a completely eating disorder vegan. Mm -hmm. I've been an eating disorder paleo individual. Mm -hmm. I've also done an eating disorder with keto. Mm -hmm. And I think that you can do any diet with, uh, and it doesn't even need to be an eating disorder. Like maybe some women that are listening um, don't, don't resonate with the eating disorder title. And it's like, it's more disordered eating. Like your relationship to food isn't right. And those could be signs of, you know, when I was vegan, I would be like, I would have nightmares about eating chicken. And it wasn't like, oh, the chicken. It was like, oh my gosh, chicken in my body. It was such a fear food. Like it terrified me. Even the thought, like if I put myself back in that place, I was so scared to eat chicken. Um, but then I know vegans that just like, this makes me feel so good and this is the life I'm living and it's great. So it's not about the diet. It's about the mentality behind it. And when I had that aha moment, like, 
it was a spiritual moment. Like it was one moment I was sitting on my parents' couch in the mountains and I just said, wait a minute, what, why am I restricting food? Like I, sorry, it was almost like I had a reset. Like Mm -hmm. why am I restricting all these things? And then what I do is I restrict and then I binge and then I restrict and then I binge. What if I just didn't restrict and instead I chose to feel good and I found foods that made me feel good and I ate foods that made me feel good. And when I eat foods that make me feel not so good, then I know like, you know, if I have grains, I'm going to be constipated for like seven days. So if I have grains, I'm like, girl, you're going to eat these grains. You're going to be constipated for seven days. You're cool with that. And sometimes it's like, heck yeah, pass the grains. And other times it's like, ooh, actually, I don't want to eat grains. I don't want to be constipated. And so it's, I, I really feel like it's a mentality thing because now I do keto and it's like, I eat fat and a lot of it. And I choose to eat it because it makes me feel good. But it's less of, I have to eat keto because without this, I'm a horrible human being and I can't amount to anything and my willpower sucks. It's not about that at all. So I think it's really a mentality problem. I totally agree. I think that the reason why keto can sometimes trigger things for people or, but any any diet could is I think that with keto specifically people also have this idea of it because there's still this idea of what traditional keto is and also that sometimes you have to get more finicky with your macros to reach a state of ketosis and then I think sometimes people get so hyper focused on ketones or macros that that starts to make them become obsessed with that Um, but there are ways around that. I feel like, (laughs) yeah. And it's really the only diet that I know of where you can test something at home to tell you whether or not in your mind, you're a success or a failure. Like Mm -hmm. you can get a little ketone monitor, prick your finger and be like, I win or I suck. You know what I mean? So it's like with, with vegan or with paleo, there's no like definitive marker to say whether or not you're winning. And when I say winning, it's all in quotes because it actually doesn't matter. I would say like with keto for, I don't know, I approached it like I was an, like I had epilepsy and I needed to like hit a certain ketone amount to like be in ketosis. But now I don't even test. I don't track. I set the intention to eat low carb, high fat. And when I feel good, I'm winning. And when I don't feel good, I'm like, wait a minute, what foods did I eat? Did I have too many nuts? You know, were there um, inflammatory oils in that food? But you're so right. I think we're so focused on ketones instead of focusing on just feeling good. And I think also with keto, because it's gaining popularity, there are so many before and after pictures of like, here was me in January. Here's me in June. And that's really cool that you're making progress. And I don't want to discount that because, you know, a lot of um, change uh, in behaviors generally has to happen in order for those, those pictures to come to fruition. But you're not a picture and you're not a before or after photo. And that really means is like, I can take a picture of myself right now in this moment and take a picture of myself five minutes from now. And I've changed. I've said different things that I haven't said before. I'm thinking different thoughts just a little bit differently. I'm a I'm very different from who I was five minutes ago. And so 
a picture can only tell us so much. And unfortunately with keto, because there's so much happening on the inside, like I've been eating this way um, for four and a half years and I'm still finding new things of like, whoa, this just happened. Like that is crazy. I didn't even know it could get better and now it's getting better. Um, so it, it's unfortunate that it's in that direction, but that's why I really feel like I was put on this planet to share the message, especially in the keto community, that you're so much more than a body. And if we can just take care of the shell that allows us to experience life, and if that happens to be a ketogenic diet, cool, then isn't that like what we should be shooting for? Like it's, right? And no, and that's why I love your quote version of keto because it's not even like keto it's just like balanced and it's very flexible and it's about listening to your body and adjusting and I it it saddens me I think because I see kind of what the media has done with the word keto and it's become a trend and it's become equated with weight loss when that's not the goal you can gain weight on keto you know you can gain weight or you can lose weight it's about helping people reach health which means something different and I also see people using it as an excuse to not eat, you know, it goes back to the fasting, like people, yes. I'm like, why are you fasting? Are you fasting? Because you're, you're trying to use these health benefits of fasting as an excuse to not eat, or are you fasting actually because your body's ready for it, your body needs it, your body can use it, and you're looking for these specific health benefits, and it's a tricky line to walk, I think, for people. It is, especially when you have a history of an eating disorder and like with, um, with starving myself for years, I always felt pain and I associated a successful starvation period with feeling hungry and not happy. And so when I was introduced to intermittent fasting, I'm like, I know exactly what that feels like. I got this down. And so I would go long periods of time without eating, call it intermittent fasting, be starving and think that I was doing something right. But like intermittent fasting should just come naturally. Mm -hmm. You should just not want to eat. Like you're just not interested in eating. And that's a very, very different thing than, oh my gosh, when is it going to be 12 o'clock so that I can eat? I'm so hungry. It's only 8 a.m. I think I'll just drink some more water. Like that's not, that's not what we want to do. And as soon as we get out of our head and just like let your body do the things, like it knows what to do. Like just eat low carb, high fat. I know it sounds so like I make it sound simple and I understand that it's not. Um, but it's like set the intention, low carb, high fat. What does that mean? Okay. Take a look at fats. What are fats? Take a look at carbs. Oh my gosh. Kale has that many carbs. Don't worry about it. It's kale. You'll be fine. And so eat, eat the kale, have the coconut oil, have some grass fed beef. And when you're hungry, eat again. And if you're not skip that meal and your body will just sort it out. Um, now if you're coming from a history of an eating disorder where you don't know what hunger feels like, I don't know if I would recommend a ketogenic diet. Um, I think for you, it's just like, try all the foods, Mm -hmm. try all the things. And I definitely went through that period at that aha moment of like, okay, but keto's good, but it's bad for me. What do I do? I started eating everything. Like I, I ate all the things. I gave myself permission to like wake up at 2 a.m. and be like, I'm hungry. What do I feel like? Pancakes? Making them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and I did that for a couple of months and I just, I allowed myself every food. I went to the bulk store, bought all the candy. I kept it in my 
pantry and I ate that candy for like four solid days. Now on the fifth day, I was like, I need a salad. And then I made a choice to like not eat sugar and choose salad because I didn't feel good. And so I think it's important if you don't know what hunger feels like, if you've been restricting, just try all the things and get comfortable with it. And then you can choose what foods make you feel good and what foods make you not feel good. Yeah. And I think that can be really scary for people to just kind of let themselves eat until I think it's hard for people to get full. And I think you can also scare people how much food they feel like they want to eat. And I would love for you to share a bit more because I've heard you mention this on at least one of your podcasts before about how much food you were eating. Um, because I feel like people are really caught up. They're still caught up in calories and numbers and amounts. And I think it can be encouraging to just hear from someone else like, okay, I can eat all the things. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. So when I was, when I just started keto, like I said, I, I lost a lot of weight with keto. And when I was not eating, um, starving myself, not eating enough food, I got to a pretty low body fat and I got a lot of great compliments and all my friends wanted to know what I was doing. Um, and then since then I've gained weight and I understand that I need to be a certain size. I actually just posted about this on Instagram. Um, I need to be a certain weight in order to be healthy, in order to have my period. And the period for me is such a great indicator of health. And I, I was recently sick. I had the flu a couple of weeks ago and I stopped eating. I, I just couldn't deal with any food. I was trying to just drink broth, but I just wasn't interested. A week later, I got my period. It was really early. It was like two days of like full on period and then stopped. And it was like, well, yeah, I probably lost a little bit of weight. You know, my pants were a little bit looser and, um, I just, my body felt a little bit smaller. And so that was like, okay, like my hormones are a little bit wonky. I dealt with a little bit of acne on my neck and I just knew things weren't right. And so whatever your biomarker is, um, it's more important, you know, if you want to use your menstruation to kind of mark that, but to give you an idea when I, when I was eating keto right there at the first six months, I was eating anywhere between 800 and 1200 calories a day. Um, when I was fasting, it was about 800 a day when I, um, you know, was doing more intermittent fasting where I was having a fatty coffee and then, uh, two meals, it was around 1200, maybe 1500 if I worked out for an hour or two. And so that was really great until it wasn't good anymore. And I wasn't sleeping. I had pins and needles all over and I just, I wasn't giving my body enough to survive. And, um, then when I went through that, I'm just going to allow myself to eat all the foods. I wrote down what I ate in a little journal, but I didn't track it. And after the process, like months after I went back into that journal and I put the stuff in my fitness pal and I was averaging, oh man, there was one day where I went over 5,000 calories. And this was like listening to my body, waking up in the middle of the night, hungry and just allowing myself to feel full, be comfortable with fullness to just like eat food and not have any fear of it. And, and really the story I told myself, and it's probably not a healthy story, but I was like, I've lost the weight with keto. I can lose it again. Mm -hmm. So like, don't worry about that. Like, and, and that's probably not the message I would tell myself now, but at that point it was like, 
don't worry about the weight, like just, just eat. And every time I would eat, even though I was terrified to do it because like, Oh my gosh, how many calories is this? How much fat is it? How much protein? Like, what am I eating? What am I doing? It was, I'm nourishing my body and I'm nourishing my soul. And your mantra might be different when you're eating, but I repeated it over and over and over and over. And I just allowed myself that space of eating. And, um, it was on average about 3000 calories. It lasted for that high. It was a couple of months, like about two months where I was eating a bunch. And then it like slowly, I wasn't as hungry. Like it was, it was strange. It was like, I was as soon as I gave, gave myself permission, it was like, oh my gosh, all the foods. Mm-hmm. And then it slowly started slowing down. And then it um, kind of evened out around 2,000 to 2,500 a day. And notice that's a pretty big range. And I was just allowing my body to do whatever. And then if I'd have like days where I was going on an epic hike, I would just naturally eat more. And if there were days where, you know, I'd go on an epic hike and then not eat a bunch that day, I would wake up really hungry the next morning. And it was so cool to see how my body just like knew what to do. And um, it's so cool. It's so cool. Well, you know, what's funny is I kind of, I said the same thing to myself as a safety net when I was eating just so much food. So, I mean, there was a period I was eating between seven and 8,000 calories every day for a while while I was putting on weight and it scared me and I did in the back of my head I said okay I just need to eat all this and I I do know how to lose weight if I need to like I gave myself that safety net in my head which is kind of messed up you know but it helped me it helped gave it honestly helped give me the courage right but then as I gained weight I started feeling so much better and I I was uncomfortable as I gained the weight like I wasn't used to seeing a heavier weight but I felt so much more energy my brain was working better and I thought well I mean I I don't want to lose the weight though you know so I didn't need to use that safety net because I had gained so much more I had gained weight but I had gained so much more that it didn't matter you know yes so Mm -hmm. that was really really useful and I think this so this all kind of ties back into was this the same time period where you were working towards getting back your period yes and then I got my period (laughs) okay yeah because let's talk a bit more about the amenorrhea um can you maybe tell like what are some causes of amenorrhea Um, all the, all the reasons that I didn't get a period, I was working out way too much. So, um, you know, I, I, I say this to a lot of clients that I used to work with and even to people passing on the street that want to hear me talk is like, you know, you probably have a full-time job and maybe you do CrossFit on the side, but I think a lot of us push ourselves to be like Olympic athletes when we're just not. Yeah. And we have this, and I hate, I know it sounds kind of mean, but it's true. Like, I was pretending I was training for the Olympics, but I had like a full-time job doing other things and would never be in the Olympics. So why am I pushing myself that hard to be a quote unquote athlete when it's like, why can't we just do this for fun and see where our body goes? But I was pushing myself way too hard at the gym. Um, I wasn't eating the right foods. So the fat was really, 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 really important. I wasn't eating enough. Uh, and I think those are like the main three for myself. Um, for you, it could be the different types of macros. Like maybe you focus all on vegetables and none on protein and you're terrified of protein. 
um, then that's something that you could definitely look at. Um, other reasons could be birth control and um, hormonal fluctuations. Uh, but nine times out of 10, when I speak to a woman in her 20s, early 30s that hasn't gotten a period, it's usually that she's not eating enough or working out too much. Those are like the two main things. Yeah. And I think what's hard is a lot of I mean, I know so many people who don't have their period who just don't want it back. And Mm -hmm. I'll try and explain, like, like we were saying before, how it's the most important marker of our health as women. But what can the long-term ramifications be of just continuing to not have your period? A lot of face wrinkles. (laughs) So if you're vain (laughs) and that's important to you like no amount of Botox is going to fix that. Like if you're like, Oh, don't worry, Botox, Botox. Um, that's not a great approach. Um, so face wrinkles, a big deal, a a huger deal that you probably don't even care about. And I didn't was bone density. And that's a really big one. If you don't have enough estrogen, like naturally produced estrogen, you will have issues with your bones. And I definitely don't have the best bones, but for what I did for my body, I'm to my body rather, I'm really happy with where my bones are at. Um, so I, the number one thing that kind of like woke me up was just like, it's hard to explain if you haven't had amenorrhea, but it's like, I got to the point where it's almost like my body, even though I knew it was like female, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel whole. It felt like there was something missing and now when I get a period even now it's been three years of like ovulating and like just the whole bit I get so giddy and my husband like laughs every time I'm like yes I got my period this is the best day ever and I'm like running around the house and like really happy because it is and and another thing so in a lot of different tribes even now still when the women of the tribes get their period they go to this tent where um, they're encouraged to be like intuitive and listen to their bodies and, and really surround themselves with other women that are also feeling this like intuitive powder, a power rather of that time of your period. Like when you have your period that like day one to seven, that's when you're the most intuitive and you'll come up with these crazy ideas that you never would have had you not been getting your period. And I love that time to just like make really cool business ideas, write them all down, like ask myself what I think and use my intuition so that when my period is done, I can start actioning those things that I dreamt up. So if you're into that kind of stuff, it's pretty cool too. I love that. Something I want to ask you is, okay, so I work with a lot of people who realize that they weren't eating enough and they're working out too much so they cut down the exercise and they're eating way more food and they maybe restored any weight they lost and still no period and they I think it's tricky for people because they say well do I have to gain even more weight do I have to gain weight do I have to even even more but I'm already eating a lot I'm already not exercising what am I doing wrong and I think people want to know like do they have to gain even more weight is it just a matter of waiting or how do you know if you're still eating enough slash not working out you know what I mean I remember that time like when I was eating those 5,000 calories and you know my body's slowly eating less and less I'm like oh my gosh I still haven't got my period like 
I don't know what else to do. Uh-huh. And well, uh, so I got my period in Germany. Uh, I was visiting for the first time. My husband grew up there. We were visiting family and he was coming a couple days after me. And I flew into Germany by myself. And on the plane there, I bought myself a bag of Skittles. And I had I had never had a good relationship with candy. That was kind of like my vice. Mm-hmm. And I bought myself a bag of Skittles and I enjoyed those Skittles. I didn't finish the bag. I had the bag for like weeks. I just ate some of my Skittles on the plane by myself you know, had a little nap and I was just, you know, listening to music and really happy. And when I got off the plane, I realized my husband booked the wrong um, time for the hotel. So I didn't have a hotel. So instead of being super stressed about it, I left my bags at the hotel that I didn't have a booking for that week and walked (laughs) around Frankfurt all day, like snacking on things and like talking to random people that didn't speak a lot of English. And I was just like, I don't know, there was just, I was in a new place and it felt good and I didn't know anyone and I was just being myself and my sister-in-law picked me up early she drove all night to pick me up in Frankfurt I slept all the way home and that morning I got my period and I think for me and it might be for others listening is like I just needed to like relax and not think about it And it can be so hard when you want it so badly. I imagine it being very similar to when a woman like really wants a child. Like I was just, I was obsessed about it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And oftentimes the same thing, like when the woman just tries to stop thinking about how badly she wants to start a family and just like does something else, like goes out with the girlfriends, like has pizza and wine with her friends, like the next day she's pregnant, you know? So I think it takes us like getting out of our head and just doing something a little different. It doesn't mean you need to fly to Frankfurt, (laughs) although it's a really beautiful city, but just doing something different and getting out of your head and also like looking at other aspects and behaviors. Like for me, it was that I couldn't work out at all. Like no yoga because I'd be pushed to do a little bit of power yoga, like very light walking, um, like no activity, like no. and, And people say like, I, I stopped working out and I'm like, Oh, like, what are you doing for movement? They're like, well, I do, you know, six days of yoga, but like, don't worry. It's like Hatha yoga. And then like, I walk every other day for 45 minutes at a pace of five points. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, no, like, <laughs> like stop working out. So those are like two things that I found that were really helpful for myself that I've seen other people have success with. Yeah. And what about, the weight gain issue because I think that's really right. hard for people to wrap their heads around. Yeah, I would say like stop thinking about the weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would just, you know, like your body knows at what weight it's best at. And if you're still thinking I need to control this weight in order to get my period back, like you're kind of missing the point. And I've been there. I missed the point for a long time. Yeah. And so once I just ate when I felt hungry and just tried it's so hard. I get it. It's not as easy as I'm just saying, like, just try not to think about the weight. But um, I would highly recommend surrounding yourself with body positive um, messages. Um, A a woman that has changed my life that I am forever grateful for. Her name is Summer Inanen. She was my coach for a really long time and really helped me see things in a different light. Um, She has a podcast um, that's amazing. Uh, so just surrounding yourself with conversations outside of 
let's talk about, you know, nutrition and what you should be eating and all those things and getting wrapped up in like, how should I be eating and what should I be doing? Like, just stop thinking about that completely and just allow your body to do its thing. And if that means higher weight, cool. If that means lower weight, cool. It'll just figure itself out if you allow yourself that space. Yeah, I think also just accepting the reality that I think sometimes people have this idea in their head of what the healthy weight is. And a lot of times it's this, they have an idea of this is the weight I was at when I did have my period. So once I get to that weight, I should magically get my period back. And we got to let go of thinking that there's a weight that indicates our health because maybe that weight that you're striving for isn't the weight that your body wants to be at. Amen. And it changes. Mm-hmm. Like it totally changes. Yeah. It, it's unbelievable how like my body is different than it was a year ago. And I fit in all the same clothes. Like I'm going back on tour next week and I haven't been on tour in over a year. Well, no, that's a lie. I went on tour in August, but I, I pulled out my April tour clothes because I had like a whole wardrobe all figured out and I tried on all the clothes and they fit the exact same. Like, yeah. They all fit. And I I legit don't care about how my body size. Like I just I don't even think about it anymore. It's like this is a body, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I fit in all those clothes and I didn't have to stress to fit into those clothes. And it, so it's it's yeah. I think it's cool how your relationship with the way you see your body changes cuz you don't see it as like a body anymore in terms of just what it looks like. It's like my body moves for me and gives me energy and does things for me. And you get kind of detached from the aesthetic side of it, which is really helpful. A big one for me was reminding myself that my body is not a currency and bodies are not currency. And for a long time, I know that I manipulated my body in a way to get attention or to, yeah, mostly to get attention or to be different. Um, and when I, I recently read a quote, it said, uh, let's start basically hyper um, phrasing, but let's start seeing not our bodies as the masterpiece, but our bodies as the paintbrush that allows us to create our masterpiece. Yeah. And that was really, that was so pop, like that hit home for me. I'm like, right. Yes, totally. Yeah. It's not, we're not here to manipulate our bodies. Like, what a great gift that we have that we have, you know, and some people listening may not have, like, my mom has one hand. Mm-hmm. And like, I was about to say, how great of a gift is it that we can hold things with our two hands? And like, some people don't have two hands. And my dad, he has one eye, and he can't see things out of his left side. Like, you know, so how great is it that you have two eyes that you can see color, mm-hmm. and, you know, angles and things, you know, dimension, you know, that that's not defined by how small or large your body is it's just not important yeah I also for me sometimes I think about like if I was a mom and I had children to look after and you know how it's like moms are so busy they don't like you don't have time to worry about your body because it doesn't matter you're just so worried about taking care of these kids you know yes and I'm like what if I was just like so busy worried about something that actually mattered versus my the way my body looks you know yeah that's that's a really good point I mean you get in that's a that's a big conversation because then you get into like weight loss culture yeah women you know um 
I mean, I'm about about to get a little crazy on you, but like keeping women busy, focusing on their bodies keeps us very focused on our bodies and less about other things that are way more important. And, you know, is that planned? I don't know. But like, I've seen women not obsessed about their bodies do some pretty crazy, amazing things. Because like you said, like, they're focusing on bigger, greater things. And I think if every woman can have that power to do like Mm -hmm. the world would be a crazy different place. That is a, yeah, no, I love that you just brought that up. We could have a whole separate podcast about that. Oh yeah. I'm so on your wavelength with that. Like, oh man, that is a whole other thing, but yes, amen to that. Um, something else I just, I mean, okay, I think something else that's hard for people, we talk about, like, eating more food and your body kind of has to catch up and you just kind of, like, let yourself eat all the things. And I think for some people, especially with a history of an eating disorder, it can be scary because they feel like they're binging. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? And I think it's hard for people to know, am I binging again or am I just really hungry and eating all the things? So... For me and my binging, and it might be different for other people, but when I binged, I almost disassociated myself. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was almost like I I wasn't totally in my body mm-hmm. because I knew what I was doing or I labeled what I was doing as bad. And so again, that mentality, and I don't know if other other women listening feel this way, but you know, with the bulimia that I experienced, it's like. I think that if Leanne were completely present to that, she'd be like, whoa, wait a minute, this isn't right. But the way that I dealt with it was just like, disassociate, (laughs) disconnect, I'm not here. And so when I started eating more, I was being very mindful. And, you know, there was there's this practice, I can't even remember, it's like mindful eating. I can't remember, it was horrible. I hated it. Because it was like, um, set a quiet space, listen to music, and really think about <laughs> eating, and rate your level of fullness, rate your level of hunger, way too overthought. And it actually made me super stressed. And I just couldn't even handle it. For me, it was like, I'm turning on Netflix, I'm making foods, I'm gonna sit there, be mindful and also be happy at the same time. And for me, it was just like, you know, this is what normal people do. I'm eating popcorn right now watching a movie, you know, and this, you know, does this popcorn taste good? Yeah. Could it use more coconut oil? Yeah. You know, like what Mm -hmm. does nutritional yeast taste like on popcorn? Like just being curious about all that and staying mindful and like the experience of food, but not like overdoing it of like rate your fullness scale from zero to 10. Like that stuff drove me nuts and made it actually a lot worse. So if you've tried that, you've tried that. No, I just, I I haven't tried that because it doesn't resonate with me. And I'm really glad you brought that up because I feel like that's the advice given in this space, like this whole mindful eating thing. And I'm like, that stresses me out. Like, yes, it really stresses me out because I'm like overly aware of my food and I'm not enjoying it. I'm not enjoying the experience anymore. And I'm like overthinking it. And now I'm stressed out. I'm not in a parasympathetic state. I can't digest. I'm like... You know, like for me, what's relaxing is like sitting down with my bowl, putting on some Netflix and chilling. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. 
So I am so with you and I'm so glad you said that because I have a lot of people who come to me and they're like, well, I've read that like I need to make sure I have no distractions and I should be, you know, and I'm just like, oh, this is getting too far. We're teaching everybody to overthink it once again, right? Yes, completely. It's just another type of like for me, it just felt so disordered. And I remember um, that was the reason I reached out to a coach and why, Mm -hmm. how I found Summer In and In because I was like okay, well, this isn't working. And I am like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just so done with this. And I mean, I get emotional saying it because I just, I remember, oh, like seriously, I mean, I'm 30. Come on. Like at the time I was 30 and it's just like, I don't want to live this life anymore. I'm so sick of being consumed by food and having it rule my life. And the fact that my body is like this thing that I always have to work on. I just, you can't do it anymore. And then the mindfulness thing is like, think about your food. It's like, I don't want to think about food anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I just want it to be this thing that I do. That's just like happens to be there. And, and that's been an interesting transition of like, but I teach nutrition for a living. This is like what I do. Um, and why I've slowly kind of, I think migrated moreover to the body kindness area of keto and where, where I'm really, um, gravitating toward mm-hmm. is because it just you get to a point where it's like I, I don't want to talk about food anymore can we yeah. talk about something else <laughs> exactly like, and I'm also just like there's only so much to say about food you know like yeah <laughs> but I think and it goes back to what we were saying before it's like imagine all the time on your hands all the cool things you could be doing if you're spending time thinking about other things like we could be doing so much yes so many things. I mean, that's the reason we started Explorking. Like, there is no way that Leanne with an eating disorder could have handled living in an RV full time and selling everything. Mm-hmm. Like, that wasn't even a reality. I wouldn't even have thought of that. I would, like, it just wouldn't even have been a thing. And so when we came up with this idea and we're like, oh my gosh, we're not going to be working as much. Like I don't work nearly as much anymore. And you know, putting mm-hmm. that life together, there's no way I would have been able to do that with where I was a couple of years ago. It's just no. Yeah. What a journey. I'm glad that you are now doing this though. Right. It's crazy. How it comes full circle. Um, yeah. Ironically, I would like to kind of wrap up talking a little bit about food, though. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's do it. Is I, that okay? I do enjoy talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, just like on a daily basis, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I because I really want to expose people to sort of like your version of keto because there's keto's just thrown out there. High fat is thrown out there. Low carb is thrown out there, and um. I really want people to learn more about like your approach and like what makes your approach different than maybe the traditional ketogenic diet or what they might think of it. So like, tell me about what your approach is when it comes to keto. Yeah. So it's basically the ketogenic diet. So like low carb, high fat with an emphasis on whole foods, um, less products. Uh, and then my approach is a little bit different in that I kind of provide you like five different templates to work off of. So it's not just like eat 20 grams of carbohydrates for the rest of your life. You're welcome. (laughs) There's a lot more variety to it. And that, you know, if you come to keto with adrenal dysfunction, you're going to have a different eating style than somebody who's coming to keto because they have diabetes. Like 
they're two very different protocols. And so within the realm of keto, I've kind of defined these five different templates. And one is like the classic ketogenic style. The only difference is that you're really focusing on whole foods. And my big thing is like, don't count your kale. Like if you have kale, it's like just kale. Don't worry, you'll be fine. And then there's another piece to it where people, some people on keto thrive with a lot more protein. And I love that people are starting to talk about gluconeogenesis and how this isn't a a worry. Um, Back like four years ago when I started keto, and even now, people are like, don't eat too much protein on keto. It'll kick you out of ketosis. That's not true. And I've been very vocal on this (laughs) over the last like three and a half years. And, um, it's really great to see people talking about it too. So that next profile is for people that thrive on a lot more protein on keto. So they're going to be eating a lot more than the first profile. And then you have these other three profiles that have a mixture of a ketogenic diet, like a low carb, high fat thing with an addition of carbs. And I started incorporating carbs after that. Oh my gosh, I'm just going to eat all the things and figure out my life. When I got Um, keto adapted again and I started eating fat. Uh, I went a pretty long period of time and then I started incorporating um, carb ups. Uh, It's a cyclical ketogenic practice, which just really, I I started using it because I knew that I couldn't be keto forever. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I gave myself the restriction of like, just eat 20 grams of carbs for the rest of your life and you'll be fine. I knew that I would still binge and purge and do all the things that I had worked really hard to not do anymore. And so for me, it was about giving myself permission to have those carbs and magically enough and not magic, but I will say it's magic because it sounds cooler. You actually stay in a fat burning state, even though you're eating carbs. So if you're keto adapted and you're burning fat as fuel, it's not like all of a sudden, if you have a sweet potato, you're back to square one. Your body's like, thanks for the carbs back to burning fat the next morning. Um, so you can use it to reset your leptin levels, which helps with hunger, which helps you have that natural fasting ability where you're going longer periods of time without eating, without thinking about it or forcing yourself. And when you do eat, you're eating all the things, all the keto stuff. And then you go back to just, um, not eating and just it being natural. And so these three different profiles just have different amounts of carbohydrates. So for the first one, you're having carbs like once a week. For the second one, you're having it a couple times a week. And for the third one, you're eating them every night. And where that every night one is is pretty important is like the adrenal dysfunction people or thyroid imbalances um, or certain types of autoimmunities, which just do better or autoimmune diseases rather, which just do better with a little bit more of those carbs. So that's kind of how um, I structured it. Uh, back in, oh gosh, 2015, um, after testing it on about 700 uh, women in my private Facebook group. And they were all so great about it and played around with it. And we made these profiles and that's what's in my fat field program. Uh, I delve into it a little bit in the keto diet and my paperback, but no, not, not at all. Like in fat field, which is my online program. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how how it's different and how it all came together. Yeah. And I want to talk about carb ups for a second because so people fight me on this, but I am a big believer in carbs at night and I know you sort of are on in that camp too. And I would love for you to explain why you suggest carbs at night. Yeah. Okay. So if you eat a carbohydrate in the morning, um, what happens? You get hungry. Yeah. (laughs) And so, 
we know that carbohydrates can be good in some people. Now I've met people that, um, like just don't thrive on carbs. Like they do so much better, um, not having carbohydrates at all. And that's their choice. But for me, um, I found that when I had carbs in the morning, um, you have ongoing hunger throughout the day. Like tomorrow, have a banana in the morning, even put some almond butter on it. If you really want, you'll be hungry an hour later, maybe two. Um, so Having the carbs in the morning is going to make you hungry. Having carbs in the morning is going to elevate your glucose and insulin. And it's probably going to give you fatigue, an energy crash in the afternoon, which is going to make you want more carbohydrates at that 3 p.m. spot. But if you eat carbs um, at night, you're not dealing with that energy crash because you're sleeping through it. Uh, you're not dealing with brain fog. You're also sleeping through it. And you're promoting fat loss and muscle muscle retention because you're eating carbs at the time where you're most, um, insulin sensitive. And a lot of people, like if you look on Google and you Google like insulin sensitivity in the morning and people are like, you want to eat, you want to eat carbohydrates, um, first thing in the morning. Cause that's when your body really wants them. And that's when you are, are better to uptake them, but you actually want to eat them when you're most, um, sensitive to the carbohydrates. And when your cortisol is going down at night and you're starting to get sleepy, that's like the best time to eat them. You also have increased, um, insulin sensitivity by doing that, um, better sleep. Like, you know, when you eat like a good, like carby meal and you're just like, I am so sleepy. I could just fall asleep right now. <laughs> yes. Like that's a perfect time to do it is at night. Um, and also the, a really cool thing is that it can, um, boost serotonin, which leads to increased weight loss just naturally because you're happier, which is increased fat loss, which allows you to go longer periods of time without eating. And so it's all kind of interwoven. Um, a really, really big sign that I know that it's time for a carb up is when I wake up in the morning hungry because that's kind of like my leptin saying, hey girl, like I'm a little bit imbalanced. I just need a little bit of carbs and then I'll be good to go. And so that night I'll have a little carb up um, and you're good to go. And it can also increase tryptophan, um, which makes you happier. I mean, there's just so many reasons why you want to eat carbs. Yeah. Tonight. Oh, what about, what's your opinion on, so the idea of like, so say someone knows that they like eating carbs at night, but what about if they also want to time it around their workout and they work out in the morning? Do you think that they should still have carbohydrates after, after the workout in the morning or still keep it at night? It's like two different approaches. Mm -hmm. um, I would just try first off, depending on the workouts also, um, I would try first off if you have to work out in the morning. It's like not the best time to work out in the morning. Um, it's like the, the most ideal time with where your hormones are at as a woman is like between 3 and 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you have to do it in the morning, I would just keep doing your morning workouts and then add the carbs in the evening because your carbs in the evening will fuel your morning workout the next morning. So it should work out just fine. That way you're still fat adapted and things are a lot easier. I, I did go through a period for about, I would say like seven to nine months where I was doing carbs after the workout in the morning to see what would happen. And it is possible. It's just a lot harder to like time it out properly. And there's calculations involved to make sure that like you're eating enough, but not enough. Like yeah. If you want to make it really easy on yourself, just switch your workouts to the evening. But if you can't, then try to just work out in the morning, eat keto all day, and then carb up at night. 
Yeah, I know when I work out in the morning eating carbs after I don't feel good and I feel better eating carbs the night before. Um, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Okay, the last thing I kind of want to touch on though is this whole idea of high fat, low carb because I feel like that's thrown out and that means something different to a lot of people and I want to kind of break apart like what what is high fat? Because I'm seeing people, especially now that keto is getting really trendy, like, this is high fat, and they're putting out recipes, and it's, like, one tablespoon of coconut oil in your meal. And I'm, like, I don't think that that's high fat, you know, like, (laughs) um, and so what does high fat mean to you? Oh, that's a loaded question, because part of me wants to have, like, a percentage, and the other part is, like, who cares? Just eat fat. Um. So like, like the nutritionist in me is like, I mean, I define, I personally define high fat as like 60% Mm -hmm. overall intake. But I mean, if you're only eating a thousand calories a day, that's like not high fat, like, cause you just need to eat more. So, I mean, there's so many different pieces to all. Um, but I think overall is like, if you're looking more for like resources that are ketogenic, uh, there are so many out there. I think the big problem that I see in keto that I've seen from the very beginning is like food quality is garbage and people have that if it fits, if it fits your macros approach and that's like harming people's health left, right, sideways, up and down. Mm -hmm. And it might work for you and that's cool, but um, that's a major issue. But when it comes to like the what's high fat and what's not high fat, I don't know if I can like totally answer that question honestly. Yeah. Like I would say that the calling in my heart is to say, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like just eat a lot of fat. And if you're not feeling good, eat more. And if that doesn't make you feel good, eat less and kind of find what works for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, I like yeah, that that's... answer though, because I think my thing is just like, I, like, I just don't want people to be worried about it, I guess, you know, because I see a lot of people who they're like trying to do high fat and they're going off of a book, you know, like they're going off a book off of recipes and they're not feeling good. And I'm like, just cook with the fat, add more if you want, like, and it'll work out. If that makes sense. Like not to worry about it so much. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how does this make me feel? What do I feel like? I think. The danger is, and I'll be the first to admit it too, like don't read my book front to back and then do everything that I say. Please don't do that because my experience is going to be different than your experience, which is going to be different than Christina's experience. I think it's all about just like picking up all these little pieces and then deciding which stick. It's sort of like we were on the beach um, in Destin, Florida a couple of, I guess it was last month. It feels like forever ago. Um, And there's one beach where there's like all these shells And like, I picked up a bunch of shells and my husband picked up a bunch of shells and our dog was like eating all the shells and we had all these shells in our basket. And then we sat on the beach and I like picked through all the shells and I was like, that one's ugly. I don't like that one. Oh, this one's pretty. This would be good. And it's very, very similar. I thought of that as like, this is very similar to nutrition and diet and wellness and just overall well-being is like, I'm just going to pick up all the different shells on the beach with no um, attachment to them. I'm just going to pick them up, put them in my basket, sit down in the sand and figure out which ones I like and which ones I don't like. And 
that's, you know, our wellness practices of like, just pick up all these ideas and thoughts and strategies, try them on, see how they fit. And if they don't fit, then just like put them to the side. And now you know that thing. And so when something else happens where you're like, hmm, this happened, I wonder if this strategy I learned before might work now. And then pick up that shell again, try it on. You're like, yeah, that's cool. Uh, so it's, <clears throat> it's a constant evolution. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would just be really open to like all the things and just try them on, see how they fit and get rid of them if they don't fit and it's okay. Yes, I love that. And then, well, so the last thing I kind of want to touch on was the whole low carb piece because I love that you have shown people that you can eat the veggies. <laughs> like you can, you yeah. know, don't count your kale. And can you tell me a little bit about your don't count your kale philosophy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess what you said earlier Christina was really great of like imagine what we could do if we weren't so busy doing all the things that we surround ourselves with like if you had kids and you were just like focused on being a mom and didn't care about anything else um I kind of got to the point with like <laughs> counting my broccoli and it was specifically broccoli <laughs> I had a really hard time like understanding what 100 grams of broccoli was and I was just like seriously is this my life right now I am standing in my kitchen putting broccoli on a food scale. What? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I could be doing 5 billion other things like standing in the sun right now. I could be like sitting in my bathing suit in the grass. I could be having a bath. I could be watching Netflix, but instead I'm standing in my kitchen counting broccoli and like slicing off half of the florette to make it fit with my macros. I guess, you know, I kind of took a leap of faith with the whole thing. Uh, and at, at the time, there was nobody really talking. There, there was one other woman talking about keto on the internet. Mm -hmm. And so, I, well, no, two. There was one on YouTube and one on a blog. And I was like reading both and like, what the heck? I don't understand. My body doesn't work this way. And I kind of just took a leap of faith of like, I know what fat adaption feels like. I've been keto now for about a year and a half at that point. And I was like, what would happen if I just stopped caring about my vegetables? Like if I just ate vegetables to my liking and then something interesting has happened lately. Like it was fine that year and a half I ate vegetables. I stayed in ketosis. But now that I'm like, I care less and less and less about food. I don't know if I actually like vegetables right now. And I don't, I haven't shared this with anyone yet. So <laughs> surprise. But like, I, I think, I think the whole vegetable thing might might have been like a remnant of like the vegan stuff and thinking like vegetables are so healthy and I have to eat them like I have to get a certain amount and it was almost like this thing that I had to do and like lately I just I don't know I don't really like them as much like I yeah. don't think they taste good they don't really make my gut feel good um so yeah it's it's really interesting and just kind of following that through but I think if you're terrified that the 10 grams of, of carbohydrates in your kale is going to set you over the edge. Like it might be time to like reassess your, your life. And I mean that in the most loving way. Yeah. It's like, do you want to waste time on that? Yeah, that was, it's really interesting that you brought that up. I actually was curious what you were going to say about, or like how you're feeling about a carnivore, the carnivore diet, like nutritionally. Okay. So, 
you, I don't even know if this is like the universe playing a trick on me, but I'm not even kidding. Any, any time I talk to any human in, in the planet earth, they're talking about carnivore to me and I don't even know why I feel like I, I don't know. It's strange. I don't know enough about it to be like, yeah, that's great. I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know yet. I, I've, I've talked to a lot of people. I've talked to a lot of educated people. I've talked to a lot of people that just like do it because it makes them feel good and they don't understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. That terrifies me a little bit because it's like, what's your inflammation? And they're like, huh? I'm like, <laughs> uh. So, I mean, pl- preliminary thoughts is like, I guess maybe if it's like all grass fed grass finished I don't know but I also I also had this reaction reaction to a ketogenic diet I was like that sounds crazy mm-hmm. so I don't know what are your thoughts I mean I think that I'm more I mean I'm on board with that versus only all plants personally um yes I agree but I think I don't see this is my thing. I think that it would almost make sense to do that intermittently, but I think that people need a little bit of greenery to help with that, that gut microbiome. <laughs> um, but I think it's less than most people think. And I think a little bit of greens could help here and there, but I'm not so against it. I don't, I think, I don't think any strict way of eating for the rest of your life would work for anyone. I think a little bit of variety helps. Yeah, I think I would miss, like, if I went strictly just meat forever and ever, I think mm. I would miss just, like, zucchini. Like, yeah. after a while, I'd be like, all I want is a zucchini. Yeah. So I think just, like, ebbing and flowing with that. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where this carnivore thing goes because I I don't know. I feel like it could be the next thing. I think it probably will be. And it's interesting because I th- for me personally, I'm like, Okay, that people are saying that's the only thing that works for them and it makes them feel good, but to me, if that's the only thing that's working for you, there's some deeper things that you should probably be working on, like maybe some gut issues that maybe if you resolved, you you would feel okay consuming more. You know, I feel like it's I'm not a big believer in just symptom management. I'm about getting to the root yeah. issues. Um so I think that's more my concern because I don't want people using it as just a way of avoiding like you know, if they have actual like gut issues that maybe they want to address. So. Totally. I agree. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I don't know enough about it to be like, it's bad for the gut or it's great for the gut. I mean, some people will say it's awesome. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'll know more as time unfolds, but I'm on the fence about it. <laughs> yeah. I just, I thought that was interesting. I also just wanted to how you're saying how you just kind of like aren't as you're not as into like that many vegetables anymore, you know? Um, I'm like kind of, I'm on a different part of that journey and I'm in this place where people always come on how much food I eat, how many vegetables I eat. And I eat so many vegetables in addition to so many fats and protein, but because I'm at this place still where my body is rebounding and I, st- I like need to give my body all of this, right? So it, it yes. can feel like nourished and okay. And people are really concerned. People always make comments about, you're eating so many vegetables. It's way too much. And I'm like, but my body needs it right now. And I know it's going to balance out. You know what I mean? Like eventually, but like, this is what I, I want all of this food. And it was because for a long time I wasn't eating enough, you know? 
Um, so I think it's interesting just for, like, people to understand that what our bodies crave, like, changes over time. Like, right, I'm, like, obsessed with vegetables right now, and maybe later along the line I'll reach a point, like, closer to where you are where I'm, like, I'm not really that into it. I don't need as much variety or anything, you know? So it's just cool how things can change like that. Completely, and just allowing your body to just take you there. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing all of this. I know I kept you over, but it was such a good conversation. I couldn't stop. Yeah, it was great. I'm sitting in a hotel room by myself, so I'm good. Okay, good. That makes me feel better. Um, I know that so many people are going to hear this and they're going to want more from you. So can you just remind everyone again where they can check all of your stuff out? Yeah. So, um, I love Instagram. I'm on there almost every day responding to questions and all the things. Um, so you can find me at healthful pursuit and my book is called the keto diet, um, by Leanne Vogel. It's orange. (laughs) It's bright. You can't miss it. It's in all the bookstores also on Amazon. And if you get it, you should leave a review, a good, honest review. I'll take it. And then um, you can find my blog at at healthfulpursuit.com. And I have a bunch of digital programs um, if you like that sort of thing. And I guess that's all. Oh, and my podcast. There's so (laughs) many things I do. I don't know. Just like, oh, it's so many things. Um, The Keto Diet Podcast. Yes. And what about your new program? Oh, right. That too. Um, Jeez. So my new program is called Happy Keto Body. And I don't know, when does the show go live? This will probably be out in about a month from now. Okay. So registration is not open right now, but um, it will be sometime soon. It's a 12-week video training program specifically for women. I partnered up with my amazing friend, um, Dr. Nina. She's a naturopathic doctor in Calgary, Alberta in Canada. And we came up with this amazing program that I I've been dreaming of doing since I went keto that just supports women through actually balancing the hormones on a ketogenic diet. You know, a lot of the stuff we chatted about today, looking beyond just like if it fits your macros and like going beyond that and talking about autoimmunity and um, gut health and how to incorporate a whole food based nutritional ketogenic practice into your daily life. So it has a lot of video guides, audio guides, a lot of download. I think there's like 40 downloadable guides. Um, just take you through that. And, um, there's coaching calls and a forum that Dr. Nina and I jump into multiple times a week. Um, yeah, so it'll be back out again soon. We're just taking our first round of students through it and it's been quite a fun ride. It's really cool to see the women changing their perspective on a lot of things. And that's really fun. Yes. I love that. And you are going back on tour. I am. I go, I start, uh, when is it? June, June 7th to June 28th. I'll be in various places, the United States and a little bit of Canada. I'm visiting a couple places near Toronto. Um, we got Minneapolis, Nashville, Detroit, Sacramento, Seattle, Portland, Austin, Houston, Tampa. Did I miss one? All of the places. Wow. All the places. I can't wait. It's my favorite. It's like, oh my gosh, my heart. I just can't wait. I just can't wait. I'm so excited. That makes me so happy. I'm excited for you. And I'm excited for everybody to like read your book and learn more about this, join your program. So it's going to be amazing. So thank you again so much for sharing everything today. 
such a pleasure chatting with you and I can't wait for people to hear more from you. Thanks so much for having me, Christina. It's always a blast chatting with you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Wellness Realness. I hope you enjoyed Leanne. She has so much knowledge and advice to share. I would love to have her back on again someday. She's one of my favorite humans on this planet. So make sure you go ahead and check out all of her fabulous content. You can find her at healthfulpursuit.com. Check out her podcast, her book, The Keto Diet. Great book. And make sure you send her some love. If you liked this episode, make sure you let her know. Tell her how much you love her. She's the best. And if you want to share your support, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It really helps me get the word out about this podcast. And it also really helps when you guys share it. So if you're listening and you share it on Instagram, your stories, or just tell a family member or a friend or your Uber driver, anyone. It really, really helps. And that's how you can share your support for me and what I do and I would really appreciate that and also if you have a rating and or a review up on iTunes you're automatically entered into the monthly giveaway and this month five winners will receive a bottle of my favorite extra virgin olive oil Cassandrinos the best olive oil in the world so if you want to enter that giveaway go ahead and leave a rating and a review on iTunes and then you're entered easy as that that's going to be it for this week's episode and I will talk to you again next week. Bye.